Hey there, it's Andrea, your host of Mastering Social Media for Schools. Very excited to have you listening in today on my interview with Brian Woodland. Brian is out of Canada. He runs a company now called Brian Inspires, and I know you're going to leave this interview truly inspired. We talk about all things inclusion, and he's going to start out by telling us, you know, how much he learned about what he didn't know. And the way that he learned that was really through listening. And I think it's a it's true lesson for all of us in school communications. Uh, Brian's going to talk about inclusion and how it isn't really political, right? Students learn when they are safe, welcomed, and included. It's really the foundations of education. And he's going to dive into how social media is really about being authentic and building relationships. And if we're not focused on that, social media is really going to fall flat. This is a masterclass. I'm excited for you to listen in. And we've got all of the links and things waiting for you in the show notes. But let's get started with this week's episode. I'm Andrea Gribble, a Wisconsin mom who got laid off from her corporate career and jumped into entrepreneurship, not knowing exactly where that road might lead. I'm a natural-born cheerleader who discovered a way to cheer on schools through the power of social media. Turns out, social media isn't easy. I had to figure out what I was doing, and now I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. The Mastering Social Media for Schools podcast gives you simple, actionable strategies to celebrate your students and connect your communities through the power of social media. Join me as I pick the brains of experts across the country to bring you the best tips and tricks to make your school social media shine. We love to start each episode with a K-12 PR tip, and this week I'm going to talk about an inclusion audit. So Brian's going to dive into this in our interview. But let's look at your social media pages, your Facebook or your Instagram posts. Look at all of the images that you share. Are you sharing a diverse representation of what your school district looks like? And we're not just talking about race, but we definitely will talk about race. Um, What about disabilities? What about different activities? What about sports? Are all of your posts on sports? Um, Are all of them, the pictures, either male or female, um, looking at what pictures might represent some types of religion? The true question is, when your students look at your social media pages, can, can they see themselves in those pictures? Or as a parent, can they see their student, their child or son or daughter in the photographs and the activities and the posts that are represented on your page? Don't go back just a month, go back a full year and really look at how you're representing your school district. I'm betting that if you just take that lens and take a look at it, you're going to learn a few things. And I would actually love to hear about it. So if you take a look at your pages and you've got some reflections, email me, Andrea at socialschoolforedu.com. I'd love to have a little conversation and about it and continue to learn right along with you. So now that's it for this week's K-12 PR tip. Let's dive into this week's episode our interview with Brian Woodland. 
Hey, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to talk to someone in America, but though we're okay with the border being closed, I'm just saying. Yeah, you've been kind of held up there in Canada. Do you know, Brian, that you are already my third Canadian on my podcast? See, it's like you can't resist us. We're like they stir up. I can't. You, Carla Pereira, George Kiros, I mean, you're all awesome. And yeah, great company. We talk very similarly, so it's uh, it's we're from the same neck of the woods. Um, I'm just excited to have you here, and you have been a requested guest, so I wanted to get you on the podcast. Could you start by just sharing your school commun- communications journey? Yeah, I, you know, I wish I could say I always dreamt of being a school communicator, but but not so much. Um, my degree is actually in political science. I did my master's degree work in political science. I started my work in community development, um, literacy, numeracy, setting up programming, and then ran, moved from there into the communication side of that work, then to a what for us would be a medium-sized school district of about 40,000 kids, uh, and then to, you know, a large district, uh, Peel, with, you know, 250 schools and 157,000 kids. And, um, you know, I was there for 23 years uh, and, uh, you know, really got to experience the whole range of school communication work. So I retired in um, 2017 and then started Brian Inspires. So I, which is to speak, consult and, and inspire. So I've done, I hope all three, but certainly lots of speaking and lots of consulting and uh, continue to do that work. I live actually now in Ottawa, which is the nation's capital. And uh, it's uh, so it's been an interesting journey. And along the way, I've met lots of great people. Most of them, frankly, if I looked at my major professional development through places like Enspra and, and you know, learned along with so many of my colleagues on both sides of the border. Yes. And that's how I met you. I remember, you know, having to leave early from an Ensper event and it was like you were on the closing day and everybody was <laughs> bummed because some people had to get on uh, airplanes. What, what drew you, you know, your background wasn't yeah. in school communications. Yeah. What drew you into school communications? You know, I think that what I found when I did the community development work, which I, which I loved is I, I really appreciated the opportunity to tell the story of the work. And so it's one thing to work with people who, you know, are adults and, and unable to read and write or our newcomers who, who don't speak English. Uh, it's another to be able to talk about that experience and to share what it is like for them and to, to try to bring some understanding of that work. And so I, I did that with media. I did that in, in written form. And it therefore kind of naturally led to the next step. I'm, I'm always been pretty passionate about public education. I believe that public schools are the best place to learn, period. I always believe when I worked in Peel that there was no better place in my community to learn than my schools. Uh, and and I, I always thank them for the work they did with my own son. But um, I want to make, make sure I tell that story and that I want to inspire the people who do the work on the front lines, who I admire so greatly, to, to help and support them and to tell that story as well. Um, I also saw that that the work of public education is is a passion. And so telling the story is great. I also wanted to help make the story happen. I wanted to be involved in the learning side, to connect with the classroom and connect with the curriculum side, and to feel like I was contributing to the su- uh, success of students. And and even in my contract work, that's what I continue to do. And that's that's pretty rewarding. It feels good at the end of the day, for sure. 
Well, there's such amazing things happening and for you to get to shine the light on that and be a positive, you know, uh, storyteller is huge. So you're retired now, um, but you're, I think you might be busier than ever. Is that true? It's been kind of wild. Um, And, and, you know, I'm, I've worked pretty much since we entered captivity. I've I've been working more than full time, which is surprising. Um, You know, it's a contract where I'm actually mentoring someone in a communications role, which is a great opportunity. I've had a contract with a school board where I've actually sat on their leadership team and provide a strategic counsel around around, uh, COVID-19, but also around other issues uh, for several weeks. That's been an interesting one to be back in the virtually in a leadership team again, um, cabinet, I think, in the United States. Yep. And then I have a large contract with School Mental Health Ontario, and they support all Ontario school districts with mental health. And so I support them from a strategic communications perspective uh, and, and do a lot of work with them. And that work is incredibly rewarding because it's about how we support the mental health of students and of staff and of parents. And, you know, I, I, I was really committed to that in my role in my school districts, but this supports every school district in the province. And we've really seen the need and the importance of it. And and part of that work has been to help, you know, strategically reposition that whole organization so people understand who they are, which a year ago they didn't. So uh, it's, I only do the work I want to do. Last year, I did a lot of speaking. I spent a lot of time traveling throughout the U.S. This year, I decided not to travel as much. That was a good choice. Uh, And so, but I probably will be doing some speaking virtually in in the late summer uh, out Western Canada. So it's it's a pretty big mix uh, of work, and it's a it's a great mix. But again, I only do the unlike when I worked on the school board. I only do the work that I want to do. That's awesome. And you have such amazing experience. Um, I almost choked here. I, I made sure to keep it back. But you worked in a smaller district or a medium district when you started. It was 40,000 students. Yeah, and yeah. and then Peel, 157,000 yeah. students. I can't wrap my hand, head around that just because I come from a district of 300 students, Brian. That's, that's where I graduated from, 300 students, K through 12. It used to be, to me, a, a real eye-opener when people would say, we'd like you to come and speak to all of our staff. And, and I would say, well, how are you going to get all of your staff together? They're like, well, it's 600 people. I'm like, for, for, for how many of your schools? They're like, that's everybody. Oh, just the teachers. They're like, no, every bus drivers. But everyone like, wow. You know, I had, I had 500 principals and assistant principals, right? Um, but what I, what I learned in that work is that every district, no matter how big or, ha- or how small, had something that was unique and special about them, something that you would learn, wow, look at this incredible program or look at this amazing thing they're doing that we can learn from or, you know, look look at this let this piece of work that, that others can really learn from, those, those points of brilliance in every school board. And the other thing I learned is that we all shared that passion and commitment. And, you know, when you come in from the outside, it's great because you can say whatever you want. Uh, but but I also always felt like I had a connection with the people in those rooms because we shared that, you know, we shared that belief in helping every student, you know, achieve to the best of their ability. Definitely. Now, you had obviously a very diverse school district in Peel. Indeed. Can you tell us about the opportunities that gave your the opportunities that gave your communications team. Yeah, I think it gave an opportunity for me personally um, to learn how much I didn't know, uh, to, to really think, okay, so, you know, you meet with someone in the community and you say, this, what do you need? And they tell you, like, well, we're already doing that. And they're like, no, you think you are, but this is what we really need. And I said, well, help me understand that. And, and the more I listened, the more I learned, the more sense I had of, of how I didn't 
really have a lived experience of some of those individuals. And that lived experience changed how messages were received, how um, experiences were experienced. That learning process, which I'm still on, is, is probably one of the best parts of my career. Uh, and so those situations weren't always positive. You know, sometimes we were in crisis mode. But the pieces you learned and the things you heard really are those that help drive you forward and build that, you know, what we're supposed to have an organization to be look at a, on a values chart in a school board. It probably says empathy. You know, that, that empathy is built by that understanding. It's not built by saying, no, I know. I know this communication stuff. I know what I'm doing. Just read the brochure. It's built by listening and going, okay, so in your community, it's personal contact. How do we make that happen? You know, so when we worked with the Muslim community, around the health and physical education curriculum, they said, we're not willing to talk about this until you give us the same information that teachers have. And so we brought the Muslim leaders in, all the imams in, and we ran a teacher training session for them. Uh, and then they came back and said, we need more. And so we did a second teacher training session for them. But once they had it and they trusted us, then they said, could you come out to our mosques and do this with our, the people who are, who are there in our mosques? I mean, that's an amazing opportunity. To, to, to be there with those faith leaders in their communities talking about an issue as difficult sometimes in that community as, as healthy sexuality and gender identity. But it was about doing what it takes to build that trusting relationship. To me, that's a critical piece that I took from all of that work was how much I learned. Yeah, that's really insightful. I love that. Um, we have the opportunity. There is so much to learn when you listen. Um, and when we talk about diversity, Brian, we're at a very special time, um, you know, as a country here in the U.S., but I, I think it's fl overflowing um, really okay. into the whole world, but into Canada, mm -hmm. um, some tough conversations around racism and equity. And one of the topics that you frequently talk about is hashtag all in right. get stirred up for inclusion. Can you share some of your insights in regards to inclusion and how you talk about that when it comes to schools? Yeah, I think that th there are a couple of things. First of all, communicators like to be experts. Like we like to know it all. You know, we're, we're not going to do Twitter until we know Twitter. We're not going to talk to our superintendent about Twitter until we can do it in our sleep. And inclusion is not like that. It's an always learning thing. So it becomes very um, difficult for some people to enter into the space. They're like, well, I don't think I know the language. I'm going to make a mistake. And part of what I've learned is the mistake is that learning. The, the mistake is how you become better. You know, for me, that that inclusion is about making sure every single student feels safe, welcome, and included. And some people go, oh, it's also political. It is not political to make every sure every student feels safe, welcome, and included. It's a foundation for learning. Every piece of research in educational learning tells you that if students don't feel safe, welcome, and included, they're not going to learn. So that, to me, is a moral imperative. You know, we have to be, we have to be brave and say, I will stand behind that and do what it takes. You know, there's a great Angela Davis quote um, that, that says, I am deliberate and afraid of nothing. I, I want communicators to be like that when it comes to inclusion. You know, that means listening to hard conversations. That means understanding the need to change. Absolutely, I see what's happening across the border. 
But I also see that we have systemic racism in Canada. We have anti-Black racism in Canada. We have Islamophobia and racism in Canada. We have to work on those issues. We have to deal with them. We can't say, boy, that history over there is really bad. It's a good thing we're better. We're not better. We're just different. We, we need to do the work here, too. And we're learning what that work looks like. And so I think all in means, first of all, everybody needs to feel safe, welcome, and included. And secondly, every communicator needs to be a diversity leader. It needs to be someone who leads for inclusion. That's not about a pretty poster that says we all belong. It's not about uh, a, you know, a, a, a month that celebrates someone. It's about a genuine effort to make sure all of our work is infused with a goal of helping every student feel safe, welcome, and included. It also means leading really hard conversations in organizations, leading really difficult conversations. I didn't wait in my organization for someone to say, okay, we've done this, now let's talk about it. I was often the person saying, so let's talk about this now. And sometimes people would say, oh, we don't want to talk about this now. I'm like, yeah, but we still are. We're gonna, but we still are talking about this. And, and push and push and push. And my superintendent and I, my leadership team and I, my, my elected trustees and I, we sometimes argued. We sometimes had very heated discussions, but each of those moved us ahead. I think that, that sometimes as communicators, our fear of being liked and popular gets in the way of our doing what's right. And what's right is always to be on the side of inclusion, always. We all in. Definitely. And so you talk about being safe, welcome, and included. Um, that that's, that's not political. That's just nope. something that is inherent in, you know, students being able to learn. So what, how did you get feedback in regards to how your students were feeling? Because you have, how many languages were spoken at Peel? Um, they're, they're, we translated into 40 pretty okay. regularly. So, 40 and then a lot of different religions and everything. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So we we did a number of things. We we had groups we listened to. So we met with all the faith leaders in our region multiple times a year from multiple faiths and we listened to their perspectives. It's not like kids leave their faith at the door, right? Whether they're whether they're Christian or Muslim or Hindi um, or or, you know, Buddhist, they don't stop. It doesn't stop at this. They bring it with them. So understanding the whole ch child means understanding their faith. And I know people say, oh, we want to make sure we don't talk about faith in school. But then we post 150 pictures about Christmas in December. We may not call it that, but that's what it is. Or eggs and bunnies uh, in, in April, and we're like supposed to pretend it's a cultural festival. You know, you, you, you connect with people genuinely. So we listen to those faith leaders. So when it was Ramadan, I would go with those Muslim leaders and say, so what are the issues we need to watch out for in school? Okay, so, so what would be best for you in terms of scheduling events around major Ramadan days? How do we not connect? You know, we, we push forward a, a policy in my board that we wouldn't hold major border school events on faith days. And we created a list of what those faith days were. So we didn't hold open houses. I mean, you wouldn't hold an open house on Christmas day. You shouldn't be holding an open house on, you know, on, on Eid. And so we, we worked through those pieces. We listened to what teachers and principals heard. We listened to what community organizations heard. We also listened to what our own surveying said around how students felt, how they, how parents felt, and what it took to make people feel included. And, and all of that is hard, time-consuming work. You have to make time for it. It's not like some of the other stuff we do, right? And it's not like the other stuff stops. There's still people saying, well, we need to promote the open houses, and we need to talk about grade 8 information nights, and we need to have kindergarten registration. Those things don't stop. But the real work of making people feel included is about conversations one-to-one. 
It's about building that connection through those conversations. You know, I, I was talking once to someone in the community and I said, you know, we had a great conversation with this group and they're really on board with this initiative. And he said, no, they're not. I said, they told me they're really on board with their initiative and this is your group. And he said, yeah, but that's just because they thought that's what you wanted to hear and they didn't want to make you feel bad and they're so glad to be talked to and you're in a position of power. I'm like, but that's not helpful. And he said, yeah, I know, but you need to be thinking about who you talk to in the community and how often some people really just are so glad to be listened to that they'll do they'll say yes, but they really mean is I don't like this. That's That's a hard thing to hear. Right. It's complicated again. And so it meant that I would sometimes go back and say, you know, OK, so instead of saying, here's what I'm proposing, let me hear what you might suggest. What, what would you recommend? Right. As we build this. So a very different approach at, at that I learned from a conversation that was powerful, I think. So we many times in schools, we have ideas of the way that we think this could work and we're thinking that this might be great. So you found a different approach by asking for input first and then being able to fold that in. Is that right? Absolutely. Asking for it and sometimes setting up conversations in different ways. Sometimes saying, okay, so might I ask that you go out to your communities and bring back what you hear? And then, then we talk together and then let me hear from that what your ideas are, right? Instead of saying, that sounds great. This is what you need. Do you like that? Because sometimes community agencies, people will say yes. And there are other agencies that are pretty darn strong and they let you know what they think without being asked. And that's good too. But it's, it's a balance there. That's something I learned. It also means that you sometimes realize that a community is not that one group that says they represent the community. It can be multiple groups different perspectives. It's, that's hard work. You know, when I first went to, to my organization, we had a fractious relationship with diverse communities. And so we put together this breakfast and we invited all the community agencies in and I gave them access to my superintendent and my elected chair of the board and all these most senior people. And it was a big moment and they didn't come. And, and it was crushing. You know, and so I'm like, what happened here? And so I, I reached out to a couple of people and the answer is they just didn't trust us yet. You know, and so I invented the saying that I used to say to my team, you know, love me suddenly doesn't work. You know, it doesn't happen that fast. It's like a relationship. It takes time. It takes trust. There are people in those community who I still talk to three years after retiring, who I still connect with, who still share their ideas with me. Or sometimes I ask them, I say, I'm presenting to this group. What would you say or what, what would help? That's about a relationship. Definitely. When you had these conversations, obviously it wasn't just one person. There's a lot of different folks. Do you? How do you record those types of conversations? It, do, you, do you record them? Or I would think they might be nervous about that. So are you just yeah. taking notes? Or? Depends on the group. I, I, um, my, my brain actually remembers all the conversations. It's a scary thing. Um, but there are also times that we would have, we would say to them, how can we do this? Okay, might we have a someone who's like a recording secretary who sits quietly and does that in short. And they'd say, okay, or or can we do it this way or that way? I'd ask them and they would let me know. Uh, and they, they would tell me what they're comfortable with. Uh, and so each piece of that is helpful. Or, or maybe we would ask them to help by, by using a whole, like we have 153 million educational collection strategies in school boards. So we would use one of those, whether it's a parking lot system or a structure where they put stuff up on boards and then you would gather them that way. And, and so each of these ways were kind of helpful in informing how we did our work. It wasn't always easy to hear. And sometimes I'd prep people. 
you know? So in this meeting, shut up, like, shut up. Don't say anything. And, I, and these are my senior people. Like, and don't get defensive and don't say a single thing when they say, you just say, I understand and listen, right? Listen, listen, listen. That's, that's not easy. It's a, it's a natural, if you've run focus groups, you know, in a focus group, how sometimes you want to say, no, no, it's not like that. We do communicate all the time, right? It's like that when you're meeting with the community. Definitely. You just have to listen and then learn and go back. And um, so as you learn about, you know, inclusion and get, and getting more folks, uh, you know, I guess the, the feeling of inclusion, you know, this podcast is specifically talking about social media. Yeah. So how can districts look at their social media channels with that focus on inclusion? You know, it's, it's about um, showing the work. So I made sure that when I was at those meetings, I, I tweeted about it, right? That I talked, I showed that where we were and what we did and talked about the work and talked about the progress. I, I think that there is a tendency in school boards to very safely communicate about inclusion because people are afraid to make a mistake. So you quote about black history during Black History Month. Um, you use a quote by Martin Luther King. You, you, you select from a very safe selection. You, you watch events that you think might be, quote, political. And, and that's the wrong way to go. You know, inclusion work is brave work. And so the social media side needs to show the courage of the organization. This, this past summer at Ensbra, I asked who in the room had put out a statement about um, immigrant children being imprisoned at the border and what parents should do if they're approached by police. And there weren't very many people. And I showed a couple, uh, a couple of people in the States who had done it. And I said, if, if you are at Disney World with your child, as I was with my son when he was young, I'm responsible for my son at that event. And I have to care for him. If I see someone else's child run towards danger, I'd step in and help. They're not my child, but we care about all children. In a school system, those children that are, you know, in custody may not be our students, but we still care about them. And we need to show that we care about them. We need to say we care about them. And that means getting some flack, and that's okay too. You know, right now I would ask school districts, have you made a statement? about anti-Black racism? Have you shown your work? Have you talked maybe about how you need to do more or learn more? It doesn't mean you say, wow, anti-Black racism, got my statement ready, it's posted up, we're way ahead on this, look how fabulous we are. It's, it's about the work. I'm the mental health organization I work in, we're beginning the process around anti-Black racism. So on, on Blackout Day, we didn't say anything, but the next day we said, we took yesterday to think and reflect and to learn. And, and here's what we're going to do moving forward. That authenticity is what the community looks for. There, and I've heard this a thousand times from people in the black community. I, I don't want flowery words. I, I, don't, I want to hear what your commitment is really. What will you honestly do? So I would ask people to look at their feeds, not during the last month, but the last year, and see how much you've shared that from an outsider perspective, if they audited your account, showed a commitment to real inclusion, showed a deep commitment to inclusion. And I'm not sure they'd really see it that well. I'm not sure I really see it on, on district websites when I look. I see some representation, but I don't see that deep work of inclusion. 
I tell superintendents when I speak to groups of superintendent, I tell elected trustees and chairs of boards, if you are a superintendent right now, if you're a trustee right now, if you're a board member right now, you're a trustee of inclusion, a director, a superintendent of inclusion, a chair of inclusion. And if you don't see that as your job, then you're not doing your job. You know, as a speaker, it's not that easy to say that to your audience. You really do want to make them happy. But that is our job, too. If you're in communications right now, then you're a a PR officer of inclusion. And you need to see that as your role. And if you don't have the expertise, you build it. You know, I don't know about you, but when I joined a school district, I didn't know what was going on in curriculum. I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. Or frankly, most of the departments in the district. It took me a long time to understand how the finance process worked. It took me a long time to get how we built schools. It took me a long time to understand how we taught, you know, literacy and numeracy. You need to make that same commitment to learning about how districts do inclusion and then how you how you mirror that in your social media accounts. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I'm talking to you, Brian, because I'm not an expert when it comes to inclusion. I I just want to share this with the listeners. So I've been doing social media for six and a half years, and it was probably maybe three years into it. Um, Most of the schools that I serve, I mean, I serve schools all over the country now, all over the U.S., but most of the schools are in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Not a lot of diversity in a lot of the smaller communities that I serve. I was doing a presentation for maybe a SPRA chapter out of uh, North Carolina or South Carolina. And, you know, I share a lot of examples in my social media posts. So, of course, I'm sharing them from my schools. Well, Brian, guess what? There were no black or brown or, you know, students or staff members because I, I, I don't work with those schools. And and I had somebody specifically call me out and be like, we don't see ourselves in these pictures. You need to, to work on that. And I was oblivious. And I'm thinking, first of all, thank goodness that they told me because I, I, I want to welcome that kind of feedback in, but then I'm like, okay, I need to work a little harder to find those examples, even though that might not be the schools I serve. There are certainly a ton of examples from schools across the U S. And so that was so uh, important to me, but um, what would you say, I guess, to that? I think that that's the that's the the perfect starting point is visual representation, and the problem is if you search photo banks, what you get are 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 really successful white students who look like they're available in fine stores everywhere. They they're dressed a certain way, they look a certain way, you know, and then a little bit of the other. It's hard to find. I mean, we just finished a a, a parent um, uh, activity series on mental health. And, and we're looking for students who are more representative. And, and so we got more representative. But, for example, trying to find students in a hijab for, for one of those in my last district uh, or trying to find students who were, you know, who were um, South Asian uh, and, and from, a diff- from different parts of, the, of, of South Asia or, you know, or trying to find students who were disabled. Um, and, and I heard students say, I have never seen an image of a disabled student. On, a, on your website. And you're like, oh, that, that, that so hurts. What does that be like? And so, you know, we ended up creating our own photo bank. We ended up taking our own photos in Peel because we just couldn't get them. And when we did get them, they just looked too polished. They just looked too unreal. And, and I'm, I'm concerned about that. You know, I'm concerned about, 
how we pull these images all the time that are the same images. And I wonder how many images that are connected to the word success uh, are, are look like me, um, you know, when I was a kid. How many, how many look like that? And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm still learning. You know, we're working around some of those images and, and person on the mental health side. And the person said, it's great to see these, these young, young black male, young black female. They're not, it would be great to see a, div- a greater diversity of blackness. They're both pretty fair. And you're like, wow, look, they're both pretty fair black. Okay, I need to work on that, right? That learning process, that growing process matters. And I'm, I would challenge people. Because when we did a search through um, stock photos by word, um, principal, superintendent, manager, student success, they were all pretty much um, white, uh, male, uh, and what I would view as traditionally successful. If I searched uh, school secretary, school custodian, then I got a mix. What does that say? Those are both critical roles. My dad was a custodian. I value that role. But are we not reflecting in our National Principals Week image or or our, our you know, uh, superintendent hiring process and you put together a, a piece that goes up on social media that has, quote, a superintendent, and that person looks like a certain way? What does it say to other people? So for me, that's easy. It doesn't matter where I go or, or what I want. I see myself, right? No matter who advertises, I see myself on those ads. It's pretty darn easy for me, but that's not easy. And if you're outside the district and you're looking at kindergarten registration, you're looking for high school, you know, um, registration, you're looking for any of those uh, roles and positions that we advertise, what are the images that are with them? And I know people who are trying to find some magical quotient. There's no magical quotient. There just needs to be a better mix, a better mix that says all of these are valued. And I would I would challenge people to say, you know, when you do, if there's only room for one image on your back to school poster, there's only room for one image on your back to school Instagram, you know, post. Can you make sure that person doesn't look like me? That's me, Brian, but someone else, because there's an opportunity and I would bet they will get flack and that's okay too, because that's what growth is all about. But it's okay as a school communicator to search out those opportunities to feature that diversity. And it's not just race. No, um, it, not it's abilities. And, and, and you talk about, um, you know, s- special needs or, you know, handicapped. Absolutely. I don't know if that's a, a, the correct word, but I, I did want to just raise that. I even saw recently like the bitmojis, like there's a campaign going on to get folks in wheelchairs and things Absolutely. like that, that, that are represented. And I think that's awesome because kids just want to see themselves and, and adults are going to be more related when they can see themselves in those images. Well, one of the, one of the pieces I share most often when I talk about social media and, and inclusion is this parent who posted from Target. Um, not too far from you, right? Target. Uh, and, and it, and it's, uh, the image and the children's department is of a young boy, uh, who's walking with the help of a sort of a, you know, a device and her son has cerebral palsy and his face is glowing when he looks at this image and she tweets that out. There's a massive power in that, right? I always think that if someone whose job it is to make money can make a student feel included, then we should be able to do that too. You know, that we should be able to make those students feel as, as welcome. And you're right. It's about more than a race. So if it is, you know, 
STEM week or STEAM week, you know, if all your science pictures are boys, then what are you doing? You know, and, and why aren't you using the the people from Hidden Figures, the movie, the woman who is from Hidden Figures, for example? Do you know how many of my students went to that movie? How many middle school students poured into that movie to learn about her? You know, though, there are opportunities there to celebrate different kinds of heroes and different kinds of leaders. It, it's the same way when you when you have a something like a a an opportunity to quote. Who were you quoting? Are you always quoting the same selection of people? You know, there's nothing wrong with Winston Churchill and there's nothing wrong with William Shakespeare and there's there's nothing wrong with John F. Kennedy and there are some beautiful quotes from, from those people. You know, but but there are good quotes from, from people who are not old dead white men. There really are. And those quotes are powerful and should be used. You know, are you using quotes from 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 black feminists like like Audre Lorde or Angela Davis? Are, are you using people from or following accounts like like the the Be a King account? You know, the the family of Martin Luther King, that the the their center has amazing things I learn from every single day. That those pieces that are a little more challenging. The, you know, the, the Shirley Chisholm quote that if you, you know, if they won't give you a seat at the table, you bring a folding chair. There's a power in that quote and authenticity that delivers a message about inclusion. And, and that seeking out helps. And I got to tell you, to find those quotes, I went to people and said, so who are you thinking would be good? Tell me who is out there that I'm not reading, not hearing. And, and when I started to use a greater diversity of quotes, in, in speeches from my superintendent, we had to start a year event for a thousand people, all of our key leaders, that I could see people in the community nod when they saw those, vo- those names. And they would come to me after and say, I, I'm, I've never thought I would see that, the, the connection I made, that I hear you, I, you see me, you understand me, you value me. And then when you're in that room and you can tweet about it or you can Instagram it or your Facebook Live it, there's a power in that too. That takes work. It takes listening. It's worth doing. It it means that you go to someone the next time someone says, you know what, we're in the in the in the black student success community and, and we're wondering why we never see ourselves featured in your in your Twitter feed. That's an opportunity to say, you know, what would you what would you think? Who would you recommend? Where should we look? That that process, first of all, values, but secondly, moves us ahead. You actually, when you talked about this a few years ago to my audience, um, inspired me. I've, I've got a great blog that I'll link uh, in the show notes, but just about who are you quoting and, and some motivational uh, type quotes that you can use with social media that maybe aren't the traditionals, which I which I love. Um, as so we I, kind I, of re- one of the things I learned in my system, we we went out and we talked to, to black students, and they said. You know, Black History Month in February is great, and we value it, and we appreciate it, but all you talk about is Martin Luther King. And we're like, well, it's Martin Luther King. We have to talk about Martin Luther King. They're like, where are the Canadian Black leaders? Where are the Canadians who who led the way? We, we want to hear about Martin Luther King. We value that, but we want something that connects to our experience. And we're like, Wow boy, we're stupid. How could we not think that, right? Of course they do. And so we began to do a greater sense of, of who those people are and how do we highlight them and feature them and focus them and, and bring those experiences. And, and you know, sometimes the, the students can actually help you solve your problems if you listen carefully enough. 
Absolutely. You just got to be, I, I have a uh, theme going on in this interview uh, <laughs> and Brian, and it's definitely has to do with listening. Um, so kind of as we wrap up, we've, the time has gone really, really fast. Um, what's a social media tip that you would like to share, you know, with all those school PR folks out there um, in regards to using social media? I think that the, the, the key tip I would say to people without a question, without a hesitation, is take a look at your personal account, take a look at your district account, take a look at your superintendent's account. And if all they tweet is stuff, and I'm, I'm serious about this, if they are robots that have no feeling or humanity, then why do it? I don't follow companies that do that. I want a company that connects with me, that makes a human connection. And when we create these, and I, they really are to me, corporate accounts that say nothing, I, I'm not sure what world we're in. It just communicates to our communities. We're not in the rest of the world. The rest of the world, the companies are connecting with you. They're saying important things. You can talk to them on social media. But for us, we're just going to tell you, here's our scheduled tweet. This is happening today. This is happening tomorrow. Oh, it's exciting. It's the end of the year. That there needs to be more. There needs to be life and humor and optimism. There needs to be connection and authenticity. There, you know, for my superintendent, who who didn't do a personal Twitter account and didn't do personal things from his account, I, I, I understood why. But for him to tweet that he was at the Pride picnic during Pride Month and show his picture of himself with the people there was more powerful than anything we could ever have produced. You know, I... I, I have to tell you that I never felt as connected to the people in my giant school system as when I was on social media. It's when I felt the, the personal understanding of who they are when we built genuine connections that were personal around things like, like what I cooked and when I cooked it. Or, but they also followed to see what I said, how strong I would be. Did I stand out? Did I support? You know, I think the time is ending for, for robot accounts. You know, when I, when I moved to Ottawa, uh, and I tweeted that I was taking my Air Canada flight to move to Ottawa. Air Canada is a giant airline. And they replied on Twitter to say, you know, we're glad to have you here and welcome home with an image of a welcome mat. That's a very small thing, but it really built my loyalty. They heard me. They responded. There was a human connection. There was some thought. How are we doing that around inclusion? How do we make sure that our, all of our accounts, all of our platforms, I mean, I, my wife and I joke in the Hallmark movies, like we have to put this out on all social media platforms, on all our social media platforms that were authentic, that were real, that we show the amazing wonderfulness that is public school, that, that is this great place of fun and laughter and humor and caring and, and sometimes even making mistakes. How do we share that in, a, in a ways that are genuine? And how do we do that in a social media way that I think amplifies the public school experience around everything, but especially around inclusion? I think that's the big challenge. That's really good advice. And I think, um, you know, even great advice to the world we're living in right now, right? There's so much uncertainty around COVID and just the, you know, kind of the unrest um, with some of those racial tensions and equity. And I, I just think that's uh, great advice to leave our listeners with, Brian. Um, you've been, you have inspired. Brian Inspires <laughs> is is a great title for your company. So if folks want to stay connected to the work that you're doing, Brian, where should they find you? Uh, I'm uh, at Brian underscore Woodland on Twitter. 
I am uh, also uh, have a website, uh, brianinspires.org, or they can reach me at brian.woodland at rogers.com. So I am sadly still on social media all the time, no matter what. But I, I really just say thank you to all the people who do the work on the front line. I know how hard it is, and I value that work every day. Yeah, you've lived through it a, l- a lot of years. Well, all of those links that you just mentioned are going to be waiting for you in the show notes, listeners. So check those out. Um, thank you so much, Brian. I, I really, truly appreciate the work you do, how much you're giving back, even though now you are retired, but you're you're busier than ever. Um, and I, I look forward to hopefully seeing you in person soon. So thanks so much. Thank you. Take care, Andrew. Nice all right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap. Another episode of our podcast. I hope you learned a lot. And if you did, you should hit subscribe, right? Have you subscribed to this podcast yet? We come out with new content every single Monday. We're interviewing great guests. We're uncovering great tips that are going to help your school. Hit the subscribe button. And if you haven't left me a review yet, I'd love to hear from you there. So just hit a review. Now, in the show notes, you can actually sign up for my newsletter. You guys, socialschoolforedu.com. We've been serving schools since 2014. We just focus on social media. And if you want helpful videos and blog articles and links to other helpful content, you're going to want to be on that free newsletter. So check that out in the show notes and get signed up today. Socialschoolforedu.com is our website. You can check out more of what we offer there. My mission is to help schools celebrate what's going on in their districts with social media. We work with public schools. We work with private schools. We work with charter schools. um, And we share all of our experience through free content and through some paid services, which include a membership program, a webinar pass. Um, We even do full management for schools. We just want to make social media and celebrating schools easier. So you can check out more at our website, socialschoolforedu.com. Until next time, guys, keep telling those stories.